A communications disruption can only mean one thing. It's time for Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi, I'm John, and today I'm joined by... Taylor. Rhett. Tim. And Travis. And that wasn't awkward at all. And in this episode, <laughs> we're heading back to take another look at Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace. And so you heard uh, two new voices in there, Taylor and Rhett. Um, games Devs, and they're from a podcast called Game Devs Quest. And it's a game development podcast I really enjoy. And Rhett and Taylor have had me on their show before. And they were nice enough to come and talk about everyone's favorite prequel, The Phantom Menace. So thanks, guys, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. On May 19th of this year, the Phantom Menace celebrated its 20th anniversary, so we're getting together to record this bombad Okie Day Celebration <laughs> podcast. <laughs> The Phantom Menace was released May 16th, 1999, and was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Sound, Sound Effects, and Visual Effects. With a $115 million budget, it went on to gross over a billion dollars at the box office, which is still in the top 25 biggest box office earners of all time, adjusted for inflation. The Phantom Menace was a cinematic breakthrough in terms of visual effects, seeing the final film include 1,950 effect shots, which was a first for a film at that time. The Phantom Menace stars Liam Neeson, Ian McGregor, Natalie Portman, Jake Lloyd, Ian McDermott, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Pramila August, and Frank Oz with music by John Williams and was produced by Rick McCollum and directed by George Lucas. All right, y'all, we're going to get right into it. So we all have memories of seeing the Phantom Menace for the first time. (laughs) How old were we? When did we see it? And what did we think of it? And I'm going to start with you, Taylor, because you've been doing such a great job. I remember listening to Game Devs Quest where you did the whole show yourself. So we're going to start with you. So you're used to this. Yeah. Taylor. I was 10. I I was (laughs) 10 years old. Uh, My birthday is... May 26th, so it's like a week after uh, the Phantom Menace came out. So I had a birthday party, brought like all my good friends and and watched it. And it was awesome for a 10-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I remember waiting for that thing to come out for what felt like forever. Because I was like huge fr- uh, fan of the original trilogy. And I watched those like over and over and over as a little kid. So it was a big deal to me. 
my dad was always telling me about when he first saw Star Wars in 1977. And this felt like that moment for me as a, as a little kid. So I was really stoked for it. And I enjoyed it. I, I remember watching, uh, like getting the VHS. That was probably like one of the last VHS tapes that I got. And coming home from school and watching that every day for that entire week. So I thought it was awesome. I think I have your family's old VHS tape, actually, because I've got all of those on um, on VHS on my wall. So thanks, <laughs> thanks to your family for donating that to Goodwill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rhett? Yeah. So I was eight years old, <laughs> young little wee lad, um, and I had seen uh, Return of the Jedi, the re-release in theaters. Um once when I was sick and, you know, my family, my older brother especially loved Star Wars. And when this came out, I got to say, like, an eight-year-old doesn't know much about movies, but uh, I was taken to go see it at the local theater in Silverton, Oregon, the palace. Uh, and out front, the owner and proprietor of the establishment was dressed up. Uh, he... Uh, was an early cosplayer. He was dressed up as Queen Amidala, um, and he That's later awesome. he he later went on um, to become the country's first openly trans mayor. So uh, this was before he was out or anything like that. He just liked dressing like Queen Amidala, uh, and I got to say, he wore the costume beautifully. Um, and this was like my first like real kind of exposure to like my own Star Wars in a way. Uh, you know, I had seen the other films, obviously, and even saw Return in the theater, but um, nothing that was, you know, new and like felt like it was made just for me. Um, I probably saw it in theaters two times, maybe three times just because of the visual spectacle of it all. Um, yeah, blew my mind. Awesome. Um, all right, Tim. So I was 16 when uh, Phantom Menace came out. So I was right in the middle of high school there. And me and a bunch of friends, <clears throat> we saw it like opening day. We weren't able to go the, the at the midnight showing. So we got up like super early the next day because you couldn't pre-buy tickets at this time. And we went out to... Uh, the theater in Saniam in Salem, Oregon here, waited in a huge line with a bunch of other super nerds to watch it with the first time or watch it the first time. And I remember that I was just so freaking excited to get some new Star Wars. Uh, I'd grown up watching the original films and, you know, I played some of the games, read some of the books, but there was just nothing that really compared to the movie. So it was great to actually just have a new Star Wars movie. And I remember walking out of the theater being like, okay, so there's some problems. But overall, like, I really liked it. And I, you know, made plans almost immediately to go see it again. I, I think like the next weekend or maybe even only like a couple days later. Uh just that, and there was always that optimism of like, okay, well, any problems with that first one, they'll work out with 
with two and three because they had already. This is the first I've ever heard there are problems in the Phantom Menace. Continue. <laughs> I just I I don't know what you're talking about, but go ahead, go ahead. I don't yeah. think I've ever watched a but, video um, about yeah, that. Yeah, just overall, it was very hyped, very excited. Um, made plans to see it immediately after getting out of you know having just seen it, and just that excitement for new Star Wars. Totally, absolutely, yeah, yep, Travis. So I think I've mentioned on the show before that I didn't really get into Star Wars that much until the special edition re-releases hit theaters in the 90s. And so, you know, I wasn't like a huge. Okay, we're cutting your audio right now. Travis, you're off. You're off the show. (laughs) (laughs) You're voted off the island. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue, (laughs) Travis. But no, I think like Empire, when Empire hit, I was like, all right, I'm in on this. But I didn't have like the whole childhood build up to this like a lot of people did. Totally. Uh, I was 17 when this came out. And luckily, I was really good friends with people who worked at the movie theater. And I got to watch it like a ton. Like I just kept going back for free and seeing it. Um, But I was the first time I was just really overwhelmed with the whole spectacle of it all. Like it was a new Star Wars movie. It had these new special effects and, you know, a couple of boring parts aside, I thought it was fantastic the first time watching it. Uh, It wasn't until repeat viewings that some of the cracks started showing on it. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was great then. Cool. Uh, How old were you? Do you remember? Uh, 17. Nice. So I uh, apparently was the elder when I saw the cannabis. <laughs> so May t- 19th, 1999, I was 18, right? I turned 19 in July. So I saw the Phantom Menace opening day in the afternoon with one of my best friends in high school, Dan Michael. We were both Star Wars fans, super excited to see it. So we headed over to the theater and it was really kind of neat because we didn't plan this. But there were two guys from our high school that had purchased tickets for each showing of the Phantom Menace that day. So like, hardcore Star Wars fans like I don't even do that like I just watch it opening night and I sleep right these guys were watching it every day like every showing that day that was pretty I was like wow living the dream anyways so they had already seen it like three times that day and so they were sitting right behind us and it was pretty empty because it was an early showing uh that day you know not a lot of people because it was during a weekday you know how many people are going to go see a movie during weekday for the most part um and all the hardcore fans had either seen it seen it already so they were behind us uh and i remember uh it because uh dan and i were expecting it to be incredible you know and we asked them i said hey guys uh how's the new movie how is it and they're like uh um it's okay (laughs) and i'm like how could a star wars movie just be okay i was like yes whatever whatever so we saw the phantom menace and i You know, at the time, I remember it being like I liked it, but I was kind of like what Tim was saying. I was like, well, there's some things that were odd to me. I guess it didn't stand out. But but I thought there were a lot of really great scenes and it had a really good time, but it was a little odd. I remember Dan, when we left, he could not stop making fun of Jar Jar Binks. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he was kind of silly, but I didn't really think too much about it at the time. But I don't know. We were a bit older. So uh, but I did. I did. I did quite enjoy it. So uh, those were my memories. Of seeing the Phantom Menace. Hey everyone, this is Tim from Cheerful Ghost Radio. My co-host and I want to thank you for listening to our show. We have a lot of fun making this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it too. 
If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon is a site where people can fund the things they love. If you choose to support us at the membership level, you'll also get some awesome benefits on the Cheerful Ghost website. So head over to CheerfulGhost.com, click the heart icon at the top of the page, and support us on Patreon. Thanks! Okay, so we're going to get into our favorite scene from The Phantom Menace. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about the scene itself, why it's your favorite, and why it's not the gooberfish scene. Tim, why is it not the gooberfish scene? Or is it the gooberfish scene? And then this is going to be the right answer then. There's always a bigger fish. There always is. (laughs) All right. So, I, I mean, regardless of, you know, how people may feel about this movie, I think everyone can agree the pod racing scene is cool. Yeah. Hold on. Do we all and agree on that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. In fact, I saw it real recently and it's amazing. Yeah. So, it, yeah. Yes. Amazing scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then the big duel of fates, the big fight between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. That still is just kick ass as hell. I yes, totally agree. It's yep. so awesome. The, the music, the the fighting of this, you know, all of it is incredible. So definitely those two scenes are my favorite. OK, yeah, uh, you're totally right. Uh, Rhett, what do you got? Yeah, I really have to agree about the pod racing scene. Um, you know, obviously, like Duel of the Fates is just kind of a no brainer and even rewatching it just this week for this uh, podcast, like what an amazing fight scene. And there's so much to unpack. And I even went on the, the uh, star Wars subreddit and was watching little things that other people had picked up in that fight. And there's just so much detail, but the same can be said of the pod racing scene, which I think is among the most unique uh, scenes in the entire franchise. There's really nothing like it in any of the other movies. And I remember being drawn to that, especially as a kid. And as I got older, I realized that part of what it was for me is just not only the visual spectacle of racing through these canyons and things lighting on fire and bashing against each other, but it's just like the sound design, um, which was just so mesmerizing. And I'm such a sonically oriented person anyways. So to just put me into this like aural wonderland essentially and just del- spoon feed me delights all the way through. It's a long scene. Uh, I forgot to take an exact time limit on it. It's a long scene, but maybe 20 minutes. I was going to say be pushing that. I was going to say it's at least 20 minutes. Um, yeah, but they are just spoon feeding you delights all the yeah. way through. Now there are some weird things about that scene and we can unpack that later, but that's gotta be my favorite for sure. Right. I don't like the announcer as much, but the I agree with you on the sounds there because the way that you can totally tell that George Lucas did like, you know, car racing movies when he was younger, you know, a couple movies before he did American Graffiti, because it, it seems like that scene's kind of an homage to that. Right. Because a lot of those pod races, they sound like an old car, you right. know what I mean? Or one of those muscle cars and stuff like that. Yep. Right. So. And, and I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but every single pod like pod racer their engine sounds different like yeah. they all yeah. have yeah. their own yeah. unique sound 
Exactly. And, and, and this is something that's interesting too, is just shows you how impactful Star Wars is as a whole, but like go back and watch a movie like Fast and the Furious, for example, and watch how they film their race scenes. And it's a lot like how they film the attack on the Death Star scenes with the X-Wings or the pod racing scenes. Like they film it as though it's like a science fiction movie, you know? Um, and I think they base it entirely off the way Star Wars shoots their racing scenes, basically. Travis, let's talk about some of your favorite scenes. Yeah, I'm. it's not going to be any surprise that it's the same ones you guys have been talking about. Like, <laughs> when I mentioned that, I was just... Well, Tim cheated and did two, right, so, right. I mean, you know, <laughs> throw him under the bus for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I mentioned that I was overwhelmed by the spectacle of it when I saw it the first time, it was probably mostly those two scenes. Uh, I think I got to give credit like a little bit higher on the scale to uh, the duel of the fates at the end, because wow, that was, you know, the lightsaber duels in the original trilogy weren't really all that involved. And then you see this and it is so intensely choreographed and fast. And, you know, Ray Park, who is an absolute master at what he does. It was, something I'd never seen before and still probably sticks with me as maybe my favorite scene, my, my favorite like saber duel so far in star Wars. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's hard to, to beat duel of the fates. It really set the stage for kind of the new standard for what lightsaber duels would look like. And I also thought it was, well, that was the first time that you're really introduced to the dual lightsabers and the fact that there are two Jedi fighting uh, one Sith at the same time and he's able to like hold them off was really interesting, especially with like that, uh, those barriers that they ran through where Obi-Wan kind of gets blocked and then it's like Qui-Gon's by himself for a little while. That was super interesting. And uh I don't know, kind of led to the rise of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, But to add a a little bit to this conversation, rather than just saying the same thing, I also thought the intro scene was really interesting. Um, It started off like really fun. Um, You got action right away, and it's kind of similar to the very first release Star Wars, A New Hope. Um, You know, getting on the ship and uh, just having this big action scene to start. Um, and it was kind of interesting too, because that's your first time seeing like young Obi-Wan Kenobi and seeing him use the force against like these robots instead of the clones. Um, you know, like the normal stormtroopers. You, If you hadn't even watched like a preview, you would have expect to see them there and they weren't. So you're already kind of in this foreign realm of the past, which was also super interesting and then like you're introduced to these new enemy uh characters as well as like new ways to use your lightsaber like when qui-gon like melts the door with his lightsaber that was super awesome so i don't know that's another scene that just kind of stands out to me i think that was the first time we had seen like the force speed power on screen as well true yeah and the last thank god Okay, so uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's not one of those things that I love, but yeah, it is the. Do we see it in the other movies? I don't think we saw it in the second or third huh. one, right? I don't 
No, really. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, all right. So I agree with everything you all are saying, but there's one scene and uh, that I watched. And, and so I saw the movie recently with my son and my wife and my son is going to be three next week. So he loves Star Wars. And so when I saw the Phantom Menace with him, he his eyes were glued to the final space battle. He thought it was incredible with Anakin in the spaceship and blasting off and then the spaceships pewing, which is what he calls it when they're shooting each other and all that kind of stuff. He loved it. And honestly, I think it's one of the most solid scenes in the film, too. And and I was really kind of enjoying it, too. Now, I don't know if it was because he was enjoying it so much. He was just so excited. You know, um, he another scene he was super duper stoked about was when the battle droids come out. Yes. On the field. He was like, wow. He was just he was like, he just his mind blew. He just loved it. All the stuff with. The droids like in scale or when they're coming in to take over um, Naboo and that kind of thing. So he loved that battle. He thought that was really cool. So uh, more more about my thoughts on um, all of that and sort of, you know, the tone in the movie and why I think maybe George Lucas did a really good job with it for kids, for sure, um, because my son loved it. But like, yeah, um, I really enjoyed that space battle. That was really cool. Really, really cool. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Okay, so for the next question, it's going to be a two-parter. So the first is that we... The first question that I want everyone to sort of think about and maybe answer for themselves is... If you have an answer, if you don't, then you can just go to the second one, but... Why do we think the Phantom Menace is unloved in the Star Wars franchise? It might be the single Star Wars movie that's disliked the most, although now with The Last of Jedi, that might not be true anymore. Um, I don't really want to get into Last Jedi discussion, but if you guys want to compare them, that's fine. It's just such a long discussion about I'm just so tired of that discussion, but it's okay. We can talk about it. Star Wars. Everyone loves talking about this. But why do we think that is? Why is The Phantom Menace a movie that's kind of polarizing in a lot of ways? And the second part is, do we think the dislikes deserved? And then how have our opinions changed over time? Because I imagine we had a thought when we first saw the movie and then we had a thought maybe later and then maybe we have a thought now. And how's that changed over time for you? Have You know, did you start off you know, liking it and maybe you like it less or did you, did you love it and you, you still love it or, or that kind of thing? So I'm really curious. Uh, I'm going to start with Rhett because I think you have a couple things to say about this one, Rhett. So <laughs> kick it to you. Yeah. So this is a tough one for me because like I um, as I think as the hate for a lot of the Star Wars films has intensified in, in recent years. Like I've become a blatant like contrary Star Wars lover. Like one thing that can be said for sure, though, about Star Wars fans is that like as much of a prequel apologist as I've been forced into being my whole life, like fans didn't have a petition to rewrite the Phantom Menace or attack of the clones, nope. which I think is worse. <laughs> um, and when I say worse, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And when I say worse, I'm just meaning academically. It's like, I still love all the movies. Um, 
But right. And that's kind of a thing that I've said for the longest time on the podcast that people take out of context and they love to <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Travis, which the Phantom Menace to me about. is objectively the best of the prequels. Hands down. Right. I think. And well, may, maybe you could make a case for Revenge of the Sith. Right. And that's what you're saying. Right. Essentially yeah. ish. Right. The Attack of the Clones is probably not is probably the worst one. Yeah. Maybe. But totally agree totally agree with that you know in attack of the clones defense though like without attack of the clones like we don't get the clone wars animated movie or show which is among some of my favorite star wars canon like it's so amazing um and if anybody is a star wars fan and hasn't watched it like you hop online and start streaming that stuff like you get to see lots more jedi battles and lots more clone trooper battles and it's just amazing but but uh, I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out why fans uh, dislike this one a lot. And I think it's mostly because it's geared towards kids and people find that that uh, like offends their sensibilities as like a as like a uh, fan of the movie. Right. They're like, well, I want to I want to enjoy uh, adolescent or young adult Luke Skywalker or uh, semi related character. Save the galaxy. I don't want to see a kid grow up into this like this is garbage. Like, I don't know. And. I disagree with all the hate that Jake Lloyd gets, and I find it offensive and repulsive that people have, like, bullied him to the point of, like, needing therapy and, like, suicide prevention and things totally like agree. that. Totally um, but, agree. Uh, but there are a few things. Like, one thing that really stuck out at me, especially as an adult, is how some of the characters are tagged. And, uh, like, one that I found kind of offensive and didn't catch as I was younger is the fact that, like, the slave shop owner is like tagged as Jewish almost with his accent, you know, which is like, I think kind of a weird uh, decision to make that slipped past, uh, slipped past, um, you know, test audiences and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and I don't know. I, and I remember I, some of my friends ahead, in sorry. the 90s actually commenting on some of the race um, coding that you could take some of the characters on. I remember one of my friends from El Salvador mentioned that he thought that the Nemoidians were kind of Asian stereotypes. Right. Yeah. As well yeah. as, yeah. Um, as Jar Jar Binks himself. Little, their depictions are a little problematic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. they are. They are. And I, and I think that, um, you know, we he commented, I'm like, I think some of this movie is a little racist. I mean, he loved the movie, but he just thought there were some problematic elements to it. So, yeah. Right. Um. And then also, you know, um, this is sort of the beginning of lots of things that people have a problem with. Like a lot of people have a problem with the lightsaber battles in the new ones. And I don't think anybody would argue that the Phantom Menace has any bad lightsaber battles at all. But then you get to Clone Wars and you get to Revenge and people just take dumps on those all the time because it's, well, it's not realistic or it's not this or it's not that. And uh, um you know, truth be told, like this movie is single handedly responsible for us having like the lightsaber styles that we can hop on Wikipedia and analyze and see like each Sith or each Jedi's different styles and how it impacts their fighting and stuff like that, you know. Um, but they say, oh, well, it just doesn't have the same impact or the same whatever as the other ones. And I don't I don't know. Again, it's something that I can't easily relate to. So it's been hard for me to to uh, figure that out. But I have gone through my ebbs and flows where I loved it. Then I was skeptical of it. And now I unabashedly love it again. And, um, I think it's just because I quit being so critical 
of it as though like my critical opinions made me intelligent. They don't. Um, I think it takes a lot more to just sort of let go of that and just enjoy the film for what it is, which is a, a early summer blockbuster. So I agree. I, I think that, uh, I think that's really cool. I, yeah, I, 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 I think that if, if you're going to think about like modern, toxic fandom that sort of turned into this you know redo game of thrones redo the last jedi i think it started with the phantom menace because i think that you know the whole modern fan negativity spiral train kind of started with a lot of how fans thought about this movie or at least star wars fans did and i think it's turned into something really unfortunate uh travis what do you think like wh- what is the fan menace notorious with being unloved and has has your views of it changed over time yeah you, you, there's the famous machete order that like takes out the phantom menace and leaves all the other movies in and i'm oh i've always been kind of curious as to why you would want to cut the phantom menace out but leave attack of the clones in it's not i'm not saying i hate attack of the clones but like what you were saying i think it's probably the worst one that we've gotten so far um but phantom menace i don't know it was the beginning of the prequels and it kind of i think there's some nostalgia at play where this is not the star wars that i grew up with and a lot of things that you get used to as kids and then that suddenly changes with these new movies and it's not what you're used to so I think there's some of that. I mean, and some of the dialogue is just let's let's face it, it's bad. I mean, like I carved this out of a Chapur snippet for you to remember me by, and that that that's just really cheesy and kind of <laughs> kind of problematic. Like you guys were mentioning some of the the portrayals of different alien races kind of being racist, but I mean, overall, it's a it's a fine movie. I think um, I kind of went from being just enamored with it the first time I saw it to cooling to it over the years and not really caring for it to coming back around. I kind of feel like it's it each era of star Wars serves a different purpose because it's targeted at the kids of that era. Pretty much. I mean, it was Phantom Menace was a movie made for kids and you know, Jar Jar Binks is different humor from the humor that we had in the original trilogy because kids are different. So I think that's where a lot of that hate comes from. But yeah, I mean, overall, I still think it's it's a pretty damn solid movie. And I think if you look at some of the performances, especially Ian McDiarmid as Palpatine, like, holy crap, he's really good in this. He's I think of the prequel trilogy as Palpatine's story more than anything else and if you watch it like that it's fantastic but yeah I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys or so far at least that that the hate is not deserved for this one Taylor you've been on the internet you exist there (laughs) you've seen some of the hate you've seen Star Wars movies Mm -hmm. why do you think why do you think that exists? And you, you, it sounded like you started out like really enjoying the film. Like how has that yeah. changed over time for you? Well, I think uh, going back to just it being sort of targeted towards kids, I was the exact target audience. Like this was my generation's star Wars trilogy. Um, but I think a lot of the hate comes from just all the hype that, 
that, you know, because people waited for like 16 years or something to see another Star Wars movie. So people are in that time are talking and, you know, having these ideas about what it is that they're going to get. And it's, it is just a different, it's a different Star Wars than the original trilogy. And so I think that's where a lot of the hatred stems from. Like I was watching, um, I didn't actually rewatch the film. I watched this little like making of type of a thing. And at the very end of that, they showed people like coming to the theaters in hordes. And like this one guy, he got his ticket and he like fell down on the ground and he was like, Oh my God, Star Wars, you know? Yeah. I've seen that clip. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That guy's excited. Yeah. And then they turn the lights off and, you know, you see Star Wars and, and everyone just starts cheering. You like can't even hear the movie. And so people had probably the highest expectations of anything ever going into this movie. And you got something that was just a different tone altogether. And I think the representation of that tone is literally Jar Jar Binks. Like he's much more silly than anything we had seen in the previous Star Wars. Um, and I don't think that that's what people were expecting. So that's the biggest thing I think for me. Uh, but I don't know, overall, like I did kind of that same type of thing where when I was a kid, I loved it. I watched it over and over and over. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to not care for it that much. And now I, I agree. I, I enjoy it much more than Attack of the Clones. And I, I don't mind rewatching it every couple of years. Awesome. All right, Tim, what's up? Where does the hate train come from? And uh, have you changed your thoughts on The Phantom Menace over the years? So, yeah, so my opinion of the movie has changed. As mentioned earlier, when it first came out, like, I was fully aware that there was some problems with the movie, but overall, I, I, I liked it. It was over the course of multiple rewatchings and probably sometime around when episode two came out where it was just kind of like that realization sunk in of like, oh God, these are kind of bad, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a lot of it does have to be, or so as a hater, why is your heart so dark? Explain that. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater. At least, at least not anymore. Um, So everybody has kind of mentioned that these movies were made and they were made with the intention to like be for be for kids. And I think a lot of people who grew up with the old, you know, movies were expecting these new movies to be aimed at them. And so that there was that kind of like feeling of like that they were get, almost getting abandoned by, you know, the people making the movies, which is ridiculous, but you know, that's kind of how people felt. So I was kind of curious about this, you know, the target audience being for kids thing. So when I rewatched this movie, I rewatched it with uh, two of my kids. Um, my two daughters aged 10 and nine. And first, before we watched it, I kind of like quizzed them a little bit to see if they even remembered the movie because it had been so long since we'd watched it and they couldn't remember jack shit. (laughs) So I was like, all right, cool. Blank slate. We're going into this. And I just kind of like watched their reactions, asked them like some questions periodically as the movie was going on. And then at the end, I just asked them like, you know, what'd you think of the movie? What was your favorite parts? Um, 
they mentioned that they really liked the pod race. They really liked the end fight. They thought Darth Maul was really cool with his two bladed lightsaber. But they both said that their favorite character was Jar Jar Binks because they thought he was funny and silly. How and could you not? Clumsy. As a kid, he's great. Totally. Yeah, Absolutely. like he's comic relief not? for the kids, totally. even though adults can't stand him. <laughs> so there's. For whatever it's worth. My wife loves him just for Ugh. just I'm just saying some adults like Jar Jar. She we watched it again. She's like, I like Jar Jar John. I think he's cool. And Finley was like, I like Jar Jar Dad. And I'm like, I like you guys too. So I'll, I'll say something <laughs> yeah. in defense of Jar Jar. Honestly, when I was rewatching this yesterday, with the exception of like the obviously aped how rude from Michelle from Full House. <laughs> I was actually okay with Jar Jar in this this time around. Me too. Totally, totally was. Like, I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah I really yeah, especially don't mind him. like the um the whole bit with him in the pit droid in Watto's shop. That was funny. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was funny. Absolutely. And what a meteoric rise to power to now be one of the most right. powerful Sith lords. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we're gonna find, that find out that he is Snoke in the next movie. Absolutely. <laughs> So he's dead, is what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's so true. Okay, awesome. Don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna inject some stuff. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh cool. Awesome. So so why I think the Phantom Menace is unloved. It's a little bit of history for for me. For me. All right, strap in, kids. For the longest time, I remember George Lucas talking about the prequels, and he said they were aimed at kids. Okay, when those prequels came out, I was not a kid, and that's not the kind of movie I wanted. And I don't think adult Star Wars fans did. And so if you took all the adult feedback, which is everyone on the Internet at the time, and whoever the news people interviewed, it's going to be, you know, they're going to be like, oh, it's not for me. But if you interviewed all the kids, they would have been like, it's the greatest movie in the world, right? And those kids don't get online and tweet (laughs) when they're four and six and stuff. God, I hope not, because... I hope so. Exactly. So you're not going to get that feedback, right? You're just going to get the, uh, the 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 adult stuff. And I think this is actually really important because to date, uh, I haven't really understood that the Phantom Menace was for kids. Like I didn't get it. I was negative to that until I saw it with my son, like I mentioned early. Because if you take out all the Jar Jar stuff and all the silly parts, and there's an edit of the movie online that does that. And by the way, it feels like a regular Star Wars movie. It does. But if you take all that stuff out. And you don't give the alien silly voices, you give them alien voices and stuff like that. It makes the movie a lot darker, actually. So let's go through a a scene by scene thing and why this is actually a really good idea that George Lucas did this. So I could actually watch this movie with my kid. okay? because if you take the scenes where you start from the Gungans losing that battle intensely and you take out all the silly stuff and you go straight into Qui-Gon dying and intense lightsaber battles He'd be crying, (laughs) right? Because it's so intense and it really is. Jar Jar Binks lightens those, like lightens the tone up through all of those scenes to the point of making a palatable movie for my son. Like we were finally into a Star Wars movie that we didn't have to fast forward much. We fast forwarded past Qui-Gon dying, but that was really it. Spoiler alert, kids. He he doesn't make it. (laughs) But um, and that was really it. And again, you can take all that stuff out of this movie and there's an edit, right? The the phantom edit or whatever online. And it's a really thrilling movie for adults, but scary as shit for kids. And so I think Jar Jar does exactly what George Lucas set out to do. And actually, as a dad now, I think it's great. I'm really glad he did it. Uh, but as a teenager, I did not understand it. But now I, I really get it. So thanks, George. It worked. And I actually understand why you did it now. So if you take all the prequels into account, 
I think the Phantom Menace is the one that's aimed the most at kids. I don't think Attack of the Clones is really aimed at kids anymore. I don't think uh, Revenge of the Sith is aimed at kids anymore. Um, and 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 I honestly think that might be because I think George Lucas was responding to the fan critique of the Phantom Menace. And I, I don't know because I'm not in his head, but my guess is why I think the Phantom Menace is the strongest of the prequels is my guess is because it's the most untainted one. Right. Because it's not George Lucas responding to fan criticism by making it darker. It's actually him just making the movie he wanted to make because he was I I believe he had kids like a second batch of kiddos. And this probably was for them, you know, and so I, I kind of respect it more. I think one of the reasons why I think The Phantom Menace is actually better, too, is because it was actually the last of the the only prequel to be shot on film. The the next two were shot digitally and Attack of the Clones was the first movie to be shot entirely digitally. And I believe it was filmed in 1080p. And I think that's why it's a little rougher, because, again, it's a lot of green screen and it's filmed entirely digitally. And arguably you could make the case that maybe movies weren't ready. But George Lucas was a guy who wanted to push through and use the latest and greatest. And I respect him for it. I think cinema is markedly better, but it's a far cry away from the 4K red cameras stuff we have now. You know what I mean? So I think that might be one of the reasons why Attack of the Clones, because the Phantom Menace looks incredible. They have a ton of model work there. Um so, again, that's I mean, more model work than any Star Wars movie ever, actually. So I think that's also why it's one of my favorites. But yeah, and I think Jar Jar is the one that does get the 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 hate. Um, but I think it's the best. I mean, Revenge of the Sith. I think is a good movie because it leans into the camp so much uh, and I think it's stronger for it. You know, the emperor, it just leans into that campy aspect and that tone. Um, and, and I think that's what makes Revenge of the Sith stronger. And I think that the Phantom is stronger because of the youthful tone of it. And I think that that is just a better movie in general. And it's OK. We can have Star Wars movies that have different tones. They don't all need to be the same. Right. Which is why I think The Last Jedi is really cool, because it's not <laughs> just like the other ones. It has a different tone. It's saying something a little different. And I think that's really good. I like Solo for that. And uh, and Rogue One. And by the way, I, I really want to change my tune here. Uh, the best prequel is not The Phantom Menace. It's actually Rogue One. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Followed by Solo. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah. And um, my dislike for the movie has definitely cooled over time. I mean, you, you can hear it out now. I don't I, – I, I went from a high school kid that was fine with the movies to buying it on DVD – to hating it because that was the internet cool thing. And and I was really taken in by how funny those videos are and how, you know, and, and just how kind of cool it was to look at something that I idolized and kind of tear down your idol a little bit, you know, because it's fun and you should, you should destroy your idols. You should, you shouldn't hold, you shouldn't be too serious about some of this stuff. But as I realized over time that like, I don't like hating things. I actually would like to enjoy everything. I just don't. Okay. Um, But that's not because I need to be cynical about things. Like I don't want to be. I just, some things work for me and some things don't. And over time, the Phantom Menace now works on me because I have a new experience with my son. It just works. And that might make me a terrible fan. I don't give a shit, (laughs) but it made me have a really cool moment with them. And so um, I'm really happy for it. And that was really cool. So. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. 
At last, we will have revenge. Begin landing your troops. Okay, everyone, this is going to be weird, and I'm really excited because it's going to... I uh, had this idea to ask everyone in the show to watch The Phantom Menace and not <laughs> and not memorize the names of everyone in the movie because I wanted to come up with a fun game show segment called Phantom Menace Character or Actual Human Disease. <laughs> so how we're going to play this is, is I'm going to ask a question. Is this a Phantom Menace character or an actual human disease? And then y'all are going to talk about it. Make a decision, and then you'll present me with the answer, and I will score you. Okay, you get one point uh, if you get it, and zero points if you don't. I don't know who wins, everyone, because this is incredible. <laughs> um, but I'll just we'll just do it like that. So um, if you know what it is, so if you know what it is, let me know. And also, if you know that it's a character, and you sort of know maybe where you think they are in the film, let me know as well. So um, if you can think about that, so you can do it. All right, we're going to start out with, uh, it's not going to be too hard, but we're going we're gonna to move in. Then we're going to move in. So uh, um, Phantom Menace character or actual human disease. All right, everyone, we're going to start off with some easy stuff, uh, and then we're going to get into the hard stuff. So strap in, get your pod racing helmets on. We're going to do it. So uh, Phantom Menace character or actual human disease. Sabulba. Character. Yeah, character. that's a character. Yep. Seen it mm-hmm. most pod, pod racing. Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. the antag- or antagonistic pod racer. Pod. <laughs> he's the evil pod racer. He cheats. You know, he. D- I think actually he's not as antagonistic uh, as we are led to believe by the clever editing of the filmmakers. Anakin's an <laughs> an unreliable narrator. Exactly. Well, if you think about it, he really just didn't want to have his lunch screwed up. So he's not really wrong. You know what I mean? He's just like, hey, don't mess up my soup. I paid a lot of money for the soup. All right, everyone. Next. Deepa Bilaba. Character. She's the. I'm going to say character, but I'm actually not sure. It's got to be a character, right? Yeah. Yeah. She is the, um, the Indian Jedi master who is actually Caleb Doom's master who becomes changes his name to Kanan Jarrus who is in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, damn. Uh, Travis is correct. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, where we're going, there ain't no roads here, guys. All right. Pro, progeria. That's a disease. Disease? disease. I'm saying disease. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually Phantom is ca- Just kidding. It's a disease. <laughs> okay. You got to tell us what it is then. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I'm going to click the link. Do I want to read? Risky Claudia uh, Mayo Clinic. Uh, you don't want to read. Look at the Google images. You don't. You don't want to know about this. You don't want to know. Okay. okay. Kind of looks like a Phantom Menace character. That's a really bad joke. Okay. Oh, All right, I'm um, looking this shit up now. Wow, that's horrible. You absolutely you don't want. I can't believe you so, say so, that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just joking. Um, Whoa, okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Next. Mergellans. That's a disease. Disease? Yeah. Right? It's got to be. Uh, I'll say character. What are you guys going with? I, I mm. feel like disease, but yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking disease. Or is it like everybody comes to a single choice on it? Or? Yeah, you guys got to come up with one oh. answer. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Mergellans. Mergellans. Right? 
<laughs> More Jellens. It sounds like a disease named after a guy. <laughs> like Magellan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a disease named yeah. after Yeah. No. I... Magellan. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going with? I'll I'll go with the majority and I'll say uh, uh. character. well they would be right it actually is a disease okay good one all right next tarpals tarpals that's a character that's um no is that like one of her royal guards no tarpals i mean that sounds like a disease but i'm pretty sure that's a character can you spell it (laughs) Is that cheating if you spell it? No, because then you're going to... T-A-R-P-A-L-S. Tarpals. That sounds like carpal, which sounds like a disease. Yeah. Uh, No, that is the royal guard, though, right? That sounds so familiar, though. I know that the one guy's name is Roos, but what's his last name? Roos. Roos Tarpals. Yeah. Is that it? Is that it? Roos Tarpals? Oh. No, that's where's your Google now? Just kidding. Don't use Google. I don't know who I'm thinking of, though. I was thinking that that was one of the royal like one of the royal Nabooian like guards for Queen Amidala for Senator Amidala. But I can't remember where I heard the name Tarples from. But I think it's a character. I think it's a character. Yeah. All right. Character. Captain Tarpals is a character in the hey, right. of Menace. Nice. But who is it? All right. Yeah, who is that? Captain Tarpals? He is pretty much exactly what you said, Rhett. You were right on with that. Uh, he is on the ship. Uh, he's the... Hold on a second. Let me do it. He's I another Gungan a, guy. Yeah. Ruse Tarpals. Oh, Ruse Tarpals. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh he's, he's the, a Gungan. The one with like the mustache yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. The mustachioed yeah. guy. I see. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't think they use his like, name in the movie. Hey, I was gotcha. thinking he was like the like the right hand like security guard guy with the cool hat. Oh, that's Panaka. Oh, oh yeah. I hope that's the All right, next you, one. You, <laughs> no, I don't have way to, to give away the that. next answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just I, I went with the easy stuff with Sebulba. Okay, Mafuki. <laughs> I feel like it sounds like a character, but it's actually a disease. Mafuki. Do you want me to spell it? Sure. M a f f u c c i. Mafuki. Okay, it's based on the spelling, disease. I'm going with disease. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna change mine to disease. Uh, you guys are you guys are like that in a hundred. Mafuki syndrome is definitely a disease. The spelling sure. makes it kind of interesting because star Wars has yeah. its own sort of like spelling rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like if you said M A F O O K I, I'll be like, all right, that's a star Wars character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not spelling shit moving forward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Next one. Keratoconus. Keratoconus. <laughs> Keratoconus. I'm saying disease. I don't know. Keratoconus. Is that two words because or one? I'm thinking character. Kerata, it's character. one word. Keratoconus. It's one like word. Keratin is uh, chemicals in your body, so keratoconus could be a disease involving that. 
Yeah, but what is CONUS? Don't we have any uh, medical uh, terminology uh, skills here? <laughs> I'm like <laughs> waiting to hear something that rings a bell at all with like uh, with root words and things, but I've got yeah. nothing. Keratoconus. Um, God, that does sound character like a Star Wars character. Human though, disease. It? I feel like I feel like if it's it was a character. two words. It definitely would be a character, but if it's one yeah. word, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, if it's one word, I'll. I'm gonna say I'm voting for disease. Is that the consensus? Let's do oh, it. Sure, disease. Yep, that sounds good. Oh, you guys are a hundred again. Yeah, it's oh. a disease. <laughs> that is crazy. All right, but I like that uh, we were all like, if it's two words, it's a character. <laughs> if it's <laughs> yeah, I think you guys have cracked the code on disease names versus Star Wars characters. All right, all right. Final question, Fode. That's a pod racer, isn't it? I think that's a character. That's yeah, gotta be a character. The pod racers. Yeah. I can't pull shit over you guys, man. You guys know your Star Wars and human diseases. Good job. Woo! Well done, everyone. Yeah. We did it. Nobody can beat us in. Is it a Star Wars character name or a disease? <laughs> We're taking this on the road, guys. Pack your put bags. It on my resume. <laughs> exactly. I would. I'd put it. I'd put it at the top of the resume. They're inconquerable for trivia nights having to do with diseases or Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> they will never get me onto one of those dreadful starships. Always two. There are a master and an apprentice. Okay, so uh, this is where we were going to come to rate the Phantom Menace on the Ghost Scale, but screw that. We're going to do something else fun. I just had an idea. So we've got the end of the Skywalker saga coming. We've got the rise of Skywalker. I've been thinking about this. I've been talking to my wife about it. Like, what? how can they end that? And I know we've talked about it on the on the podcast before, but I, I don't think that this is a solved problem. And plus we have new friends that maybe could help us with this one. But like Rhett, how do you end the Skywalker saga? Yeah, this is uh, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? What do you want to say? This is something I've put a lot of thought into. And unfortunately, like everything that I thought kind of went out the window when I could finally watch The Force Awakens um, just because I did not expect them to do the things that they did. Um, so I'm forced to sort of like rely on logic, which are what I hope is logic, but um, I kind of think that the only logical conclusion for the story is like this is going to be where we see sort of like a return to balance that was like talked about and prophesied in the prequels and sort of uh, I don't know. Was it even touched in the original trilogy? I don't know. But um, I don't know if that means that we sort of like see the Skywalker line like totally done with. Um, you know, as quickly as it came into the galaxy, it is then removed because – as far as I'm concerned, the imbalance that we all watched that they talked about was caused by one person. Um, yep, pretty much. But the that's kind of a little screwy with 
the idea that Palpatine could be returning in this movie. And those of you guys who missed the trailer, I apologize, but but, uh, Ian McDermott could be heard to laugh in the background of the trailer at the very end, which seems to suggest that maybe he's alive, maybe he isn't, who really knows. Um, So that changes things, I guess. But I'm going to sit with my answer. I think it's going to just have to do with that Skywalker blood being sort of snuffed from the galaxy one way or the other. And right now we know that um, uh, it, Kylo Ren has some of that Skywalker blood. Um, so, you know, maybe it ends when he dies. And I don't know. That's a start. What about you guys? Travis? Yeah, I think the, the pr- presence of Palpatine is kind of problematic for how you end it. I mean, not problematic, but problematic for everything I thought they could have done. Um, I do think it's possible that he's just like in a holocron or something they find. And we've seen some stuff in comics where like ancient Sith have possessed different items. It's not like a full on force ghost thing, but like their spirit is kind of held on to some items. So maybe it's something simple like that. Maybe he is alive. Who knows? But I think that in order to really close off the Skywalker saga, they kind of have some more work to do to relate it to the Skywalkers since it seems like, you know, I mean, Kylo Ren is obviously Skywalker and he is one of the main characters, but it doesn't seem like they're relating that story back to the first six movies as much. So you know, maybe Palpatine's presence could help with that. Um, I'd like to see, I mean, I think it's a no brainer. We'll see Luke as a force ghost. I would like to see Hayden Christensen come back as a force ghost. Yeah. Like, I think he's been kind of gone from the fandom for a long time. And then a couple years ago, he came to celebration. So like, he's starting to get more involved in the community again. And maybe that's because he's going to show up. Um, That's kind of what I'm hoping. Um, Something something with him and Palpatine to kind of tie everything thematically together is my ideal way to end it. Tim, no one's ever really gone. So who don't want you to be who to, sorry, fuck that. Who don't you want to be gone? Episode nine. <laughs> man, I'm still not ready to let that. go of Luke, man. That's that's I'm still I know, having I know trouble coming to terms with that. But um well, he's not gone. I mean, he said it. that's all new audio in that trailer, man. He's back for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do know what um, you mean. Oh God, yeah. I I don't know. I I guess the only thing I could contribute here, and that I kind of hope they do in the last movie, and they sort of started to do that in the Last Jedi, is to open up the Force to everyone. Like it's not going to be just people with a high metachlorian count or just people, you know, in these certain families or who are born with it. It's something that anybody who spends the time studying and learning can, you know, learn how to do. Kind of make the the Jedi a little less exclusive. Taylor. Man, I haven't honestly put that much thought into it and I'm hearing some cool ideas. All I got to say is give me some Ewoks and fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the Ewoks are in it. I really do. Cause they're, it's going to be on, 
um indoor right so yeah there you they go. might be in it right oh there is yeah, the, you're right the death star is crashed down on the planet right so we were course, like we have indoor. a te- exactly right so my my guess is like well we were making jokes that the e like we have a text thread that we just talk in all the time and we were making jokes that the emperor corrupted the ewoks and their dark ewoks oh, or something yes. <laughs> that'd be hilarious yeah. and awesome and i'd approve of it just because yeah yeah like, yeah yeah that's one of my favorite so things yeah that- so here's how it's gonna go down so the emperor was able to stay alive by feeding off the anger and hate of the Ewoks because they're so angry that their golden god left them. And when he did, like flaming chunks of Death Star crashed down onto their home. So they're they're pretty pissed about the events from, uh, you know, the the third movie and from their perspective here. <laughs> um so based on their their hate and their anger at having been abandoned by their god, the emperor is going to be like feed off of that to keep himself alive and then he's going to corrupt them and turn them into dark Ewoks. Dark Ewok Sith? Yes. <laughs> you could train them. I mean, there's no one else around, right? Just bear, just Care Bears or nobody. So yeah, properly. Right? I mean, don't forget, they were straight up going to eat Luke and Han and Chewie in them. So like, They are cannibals. They are cannibals. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, well, they're, they're not cannibals, actually. They're, they're, yeah. yeah, they're aggressive little bear people. Listen, they just like some variety in their meat selection. There's nothing. It, I get it. You know, it's fine. It's fine. We eat bear. I mean, some we some we eat bear sometimes. It's cool. It's just turn about. It's fine. So I think if I'm thinking about um, what I mean, I, again in that same text thread, I mentioned to Travis and Tim that I got like I just I don't know. Just one day I got the thought that um, in because I was watching the Phantom Menace again and in the Phantom Menace, they're like, you know, is is um, Anakin going to bring balance to the force, which he never does, actually. So he doesn't do it by joining the Jedi and he doesn't do it by killing them all. <laughs> and he doesn't do it by blowing up the Death Star and killing the Emperor at the end. It's not balanced, actually, it becomes horribly imbalanced later. And so he actually hasn't balanced shit. So my thought, well, or at least I don't think he has, but maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe, maybe Lucas thinks that that was the end was balanced or something. I don't know. But if you go into the force awakens, it seems like there's some imbalanced stuff with Snoke and, you know, um, and they immediately blow up the, the resistance. So I don't think there's balance. Um, so I think what we're going to see is Anakin. This is a thought. And I, I don't know Jack crap about spoilers. I don't read any of that stuff. I don't do it. But what I was thinking, and I sent it over to Travis and Tim, was I was thinking, like, what if Anakin actually does bring balance to the Force in this one? And again, Hayden Christensen maybe will, will be in it. And what if he, like, um, ha- like as a Force ghost or something, kills is, is only able to kill the Emperor's ghost or something? I don't know. It's, it's cheesy or something. I'm sure Hollywood writers can do it better than that. But he didn't really bring balance to the Force. But maybe he does. Maybe he dies as a Force ghost or goes away or, oh, I don't know, something. I don't know. Who knows? It's it's it, maybe that's not even cool or whatever, but that would be something that I thought because when I was watching the Phantom Menace again, I was like, he didn't really bring balance to the Force. Maybe he will. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. So uh, as opposed to like Kylo dying, maybe like Anakin will do something. As if I don't know. 
So I guess we'll see. It's probably better that I don't write these movies. <laughs> well, it could yeah, be contrary to what a lot of people on the internet may think. Maybe fans don't know more about these movies <laughs> than the creators. You know, what were you seeing? Right, it, it could be. I could almost see an easy kind of out for that in terms of like plotline. It's like they're both presumably their final resting place is on the forest moon of Endor. You right. know. Um, and it could be that their force ghosts are locked in some decades long struggle to like Anakin's force ghost is there to keep the emperor's force ghost from sort of enacting his plan to resurrect oh. himself or whatever that might be. And through some outside intervention, maybe uh, uh, Anakin's force ghost is no longer able to stop the force ghost of the emperor and uh, therefore... Um, you know, setting loose the emperor once again. And I don't know how he would come back to stop that, but uh, I could almost see that something like that playing out. Like that's super star Wars. And that's like super, yeah. like I'm pretty sure I've read that in an extended universe somewhere. And they have been picking and choosing some of the best bits from the EU and bringing it into the cinematic universe. So um, I don't think your idea is like that far off of like in the realm of possibilities. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for that, Rhett. And I guess in December, we're going to know how right we are. <laughs> we'll come back and listen. So we'll see. We all saw the Phantom Menace. We all have a thought in our minds as to how we're going to rate it. Um, just to explain everyone in the audience, just so you understand, the cheerful ghost scale is how we rate films. Uh, the reason why it's you, you need to pick one of four designations is because we want people to break away. We don't want middling reviews here. We want people to say you either liked it more, or you didn't like it more. So we stop. We start at the bottom with a skip it rating, which, well, it's pretty easy to understand. You got a meh, so you know you didn't really love it, but it's not the greatest. Uh, it goes then from there to rad, and then the top of the line, which is a must play. That's because we're a video game site. But in this case, let's do a must watch. And we're going to start with Taylor. Taylor, what do you think about The Phantom Menace? Uh, just to close your thoughts on the film and then also uh, your cheerful ghost scale rating. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, it's not quite the same Star Wars that the original trilogy uh, is, but I don't know. I feel like you have to watch it. So I'm I'm going to rate it as a must watch. I don't understand people who have never seen Star Wars in its entirety. So get out and watch it if you've never seen it. Awesome. Rhett? Yeah, uh, no surprise from uh, Star Wars dork like myself. I'm going to write this as a must watch. If for no other reason than you have to go and watch The Duel of the Fates. I mean, this is, I think, even more than the Imperial March at this point. Even more than the Star Wars fanfare. The Duel of the Fates uh, song that we hear uh, is become like the most iconic uh, Star Wars music in the world. Um, and not only that, but like it's in one movie, right? The other, th the other songs, we hear the Imperial March throughout. We hear Kylo Ren's little dirge throughout or whatever it might be. So to me, to the fact that we have this one of a kind lightsaber battle with this, with this 
red and black horned painted figure with this epic two-bladed lightsaber that takes two Jedis to take him down with this epic song in the back. You must go and watch this. Uh, The scene where he ignites his double-bladed lightsaber for the first time is chilling even 20 years later. Uh, You know some serious business is about to be had. Uh, So, yep, must watch from me. Tim. I'm going to give it a rad. It's not quite up to the must-watch category for me. I mean, as we've discussed, there's some problems with it. But it's got the bones of a good story in there. It's got some really awesome scenes. And it's Star Wars. Like, it's just fun. And there's, you know, there's a lot of cheesy dialogue. But uh, the, the good... I've come to feel outweighs the bad. So I'm giving it a solid rad. Travis. Well, let's face it. It's 20 years since the movie released. So like, unless you're two years old right now and have discovered this ancient episode, you've already watched it or you're not going to watch it. But I would, it's, it's a main series star Wars movie. You have to watch it. It's, it starts off the story of, I mean, it, starts off the prequel series that tells you how Anakin came to be the way he was. It's, it gives you this amazing uh, story of Palpatine's rise to power. And it visually, I think it may actually like where the, where the effects work. It may be my favorite visual movie in the entire series. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a must watch. It's problematic in a lot of places. And you know, you've probably heard all of those problems over the years, but yeah, I think you you got to watch it. Awesome. So I want to thank uh, Rhett and Taylor for coming on the show today. Um, they do the amazing Game Devs Quest podcast. You can find that on GameDevsQuest.com. You can go to iTunes or whatever podcast uh, app tickles your fancy. Search for Game Devs Quest. It's a fun show. They talk about how their journey through you know be, being game developers goes. They've got a fun community you can take part in. Um, and it's not one of those lame communities where people don't actually interact. They actually have interaction in their communities. It's not like cheerful ghost. Um, it's actually <laughs> people talk there. Just kidding. People talk about cheerful ghost too, but, uh, it's really neat and they've got a cool discord. You should check that out. Um, and I really want to thank them for coming on the show and talking with us about star Wars today. This has been a really fun show for me. So thanks guys. And your lives are busy. So thank you for taking the time today. Absolutely. So, thank you. So for me, the two best things to happen to my thinking of the Phantom Menace were me having my son and The Last Jedi. And I know that's for a lot of people that's going to be like, what, The Last Jedi, what? But it actually makes The Phantom Menace, for me, better because it puts it in context in a way that I hadn't thought about before. So in The Last Jedi, Master Luke says that the legacy of the Jedi is failure, and he's right The Phantom Menace shows it 100%. It shows the failure. And even though they're failing in the movie, and I'll talk about why, it doesn't mean the Phantom Menace is bad, actually. Um, So because Ryan Johnson decided to help the prequel, I don't know if he decided to help the prequels, but he does. Because in The Last Jedi, he didn't have to do it, but to his credit, he did. So he put it in context. And so Because outside of the context of The Last Jedi, I don't think what the Jedi do in The Phantom Menace or the prequels makes a whole lot of sense. So let's talk about a scene, right? So you have 
a scene where Anakin is in front of the Jedi Council and they ask him about his mom and he says he's scared for her and they chide him for his attachments to his fucking mom. Straight up. That's failure. Okay. And and Master Luke was right. The the Jedi were on this high horse which a lot of religious organizations get on. They forget when they're so big and they're, you know, in the capital city and they're rich as hell, which these Jedi were, by the way, look at their temples, right? They get arrogant and complacent and they stop caring about kids. Like they were saying he's weak because he's scared for his mom. That's not weakness, guys. I'm sorry. It's not actually. Um, And Luke put that into context in The Last Jedi. He said that, Um, the legacy of the Jedi was failure because they allowed Darth Sidious to rise up and destroy them. And straight up, if you chide a kid for missing his mom, you are a failure. Okay. And that killed them all. (laughs) Did that kid killed you. Okay. So here's the, so I think the last Jedi makes the Phantom Menace a stronger film again, because it puts it in context. And I also think a new context for me, watching it with my son. He loved it. That context it was originally made in makes it stronger. So, and I think I know a lot of, you know, people don't like The Last Jedi and they hate it. Well, they, I think I kind of understand why, because the movie, like, I don't know. Anyways, I think I made that one point. But um, I think that if I'm thinking about, you know, The Phantom Menace now and how I look at it now and how I love, you know, The Last Jedi and I really like Star Wars and, you know, that I got a family now. I think The Phantom Menace is a solid rad movie. I think that I'm really happy that it's a part of the Star Wars canon. It's a movie that I didn't that I've had a really sort of turbulent experience with. You know, I sort of liked it and then I really hated it. And now I really, really appreciate it again. And I'm really glad and I'm really glad that, you know, modern star wars directors help put it in context help appreciate the context i think rogue one makes the prequels better too you know because i think that it shows you know that a tie-in between revenge of the sith you know puts jimmy smith's back in you know star wars movies which is really really cool yeah so um yeah the phantom menace is a solid rad movie and i'm glad that it's hit a 20 year anniversary and i hope that you know, as we sort of move forward in any kind of fandom that we stop this cynicism stuff like it's fun. It's fun to take things down. It's fun to tear down your idols. I think we should I don't think you should idolize much. I don't think we should have much too high. I think we should be you know, we shouldn't do that. But then on the other hand, it's not cool to revel in negativity. I'm not saying this is the perfect film. I'm not going to die on the hill of the Phantom Menace is the best movie ever. It's not. But I will say that um, in a race to be noticed on the internet, whoever's the most negative and that kind of thing typically gets a lot of eyeballs and views. And I, and I, and I don't know, I, I don't sort of subscribe to that anymore. You know, George Lucas said something that, um, I, I really can't shake, which, you know, when he was talking, which is that he supports creators And that's kind of a thing that he's talked about as a response to intense negativity or any kind of like cynic critique or whatnot, that he supports creators, even if what they create is messy. And it always is. I mean, creating stuff is messy. I mean, you guys know this. You, you know, you you guys create games, you know, Travis and I are creating our first game. You know, we did Cheerful Ghost. It was messy. It's not clean or anything like that. But you pour a lot of what you love into things and you hope they turn out for the best. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um 
So I really respect what he thinks there uh, about supporting creators. Um, and I do too. So uh, anyways, that was a really long-winded Ghost Scale review. But the Phantom Menace for John Dotson in 2019 has a dad and who loves The Last Jedi. It's a rad movie. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. Master, uh, oh, that's a good take. Can I cut George? <laughs>